last Sunday. Here and now, because where are we at? What I want to do is I want to share Mosaic's story, and I want to share who Mosaic is. So if you haven't been around, uh, Mosaic is about seven years old. Uh, uh, I was actually, I went through an internship with Aaron, our founding and lead pastor out in Los Angeles at a church called Mosaic, uh, and he moved out here to plant Mosaic. And I remember when we were out in California together, he said, hey, would you, Nicole, want to come plant Mosaic with me and Megan in Lincoln? And I said, I wouldn't be caught dead living in Nebraska. <laughs> but even as I think about that, like, for me, like, I won't be caught dead moving there. I wonder if you in your life, uh, maybe you told yourself, I, I wouldn't be caught dead gathering with a group of Christians. Or maybe you said, I wouldn't be caught dead uh, following Jesus. Or, or maybe that's even where you're at here and now today. Uh, and if that's the case, you are welcome. Right? This is a community of sinning saints. This is a community of grace, and you are just welcome to be part of this tribe and this community. I just want to say that on the front end. Um, so Mosaic was launched about seven years ago uh, out of the Old Pavilion. Anyone from the Old Pavilion days? Woo, nice, Old Pavilion days. Uh, was anyone there actually the, the launch Sunday? I was there on launch Sunday. Nice, nice. Uh, so launch, we launched at the Old Pavilion. We were there for, uh, for about two years two and a half years, and then from there we moved to the uh, Southeast High School. Any Southeast High School people? Yeah, Southeast High School. A couple claps, a couple claps. <laughs> so we moved to Southeast High School. We were at Southeast High School for about a year and a half, I think, and then we moved here to the Trade Center. We've been at the Trade Center for almost three years now. Uh, can you believe that? It's kind of a long time. And then uh, in January, we announced that Aaron was feeling called to move on. And then in March, he officially went off staff at Mosaic, and he went on to uh, become a church planting co- uh, director of, uh, for our denomination, the EFC denomination, Southeast States of the United States, the nine states in Southeast USA. Um, and we were excited for him. We were pumped. Aaron loves church planting. He loves church planters. He loves encouraging them, working with them. It's a huge skill that he has. But we were thrust into this place of conflict, right? Because... I think most of us were asking ourselves this question, would this beautiful, grace-filled community survive, right? What, like, why would God call our lead and founding pastor away? Why would he do that? What is he doing in our midst? Uh, And I think, for me, it's just been this beautiful journey of us really figuring out who we are, really figuring out that uh, a church is not defined by its lead pastor. A church is defined by its people, the people who have been shaped and changed by the grace of Jesus. Uh, and for me, this season, I feel like, has been a season of concentration, where we weren't, we're not as big as we once were, but we're potent. We're ripe. Like people, and if you're anything like me, and I have conversations a lot with you guys, where we're just excited about the future. We're excited to see what God has in store for us, to see where he's taking us on this journey. And then it was only a few months after Aaron officially went off staff in March that we got connected to a man named Kurt Leininger. Uh, And Kurt and his wife came out at the end of June uh, to visit because we felt like uh, who we were as a church really resonated with who he is as a person and as a leader. And so I, I, I felt like things went really well. 
And we really connected and we really felt like we were on the same page. And so then Mosaic, you guys unanimously said, yes, we would love to have him and bring him as our lead pastor. Uh, and then in July, him, uh, him and his wife told us, yeah, they're going to move out here. Uh, and he will be our next lead pastor. Uh, and just to give you a little bit of logistical information, uh, Kurt will be coming on full-time staff starting uh, October 1st. Um, but he is still living in New Jersey. They're trying to sell their house to put their house on the market this Wednesday. And so what's happening is while they're living in New Jersey, uh, he will be working remotely, and then he'll come out to Lincoln once a month for two weeks. So that's the plan right now. Is that So he's coming on staff October 1st, and then he'll be out here October 13th to the 23rd. Um, and so we're going to continue that rhythm until they sell their house and until they're able to move their family here buy a house here in Lincoln and fully join us on the ground running. Um, So we're excited about that. It's something that we really are just pumped about because I think entering into this transition season, I expected it to be a really long time because they say on average it takes about 18 months uh, to, to be able to find a lead pastor. And then for us, it ended up taking such a short period of time. And it really felt like Kurt was such a perfect fit for Mosaic that you know, God is really at work in our midst. God is really doing something special in this community. Uh, and so I'm excited. And so what I want to talk about now is what is that heartbeat? When I say what is our heartbeat, what is that heartbeat that we resonate with, that resonated with Kurt, and why is he coming here? And what is that thing that makes us tick? Uh, what, what exactly is that? And so the best way to kind of describe what that is is up in, actually, let me do it this way, up, out, let's go out, and then in. So I'm going to be talking through, and up, out, and in is simply the way that we interact with faith. Out is how do we interact with God. Out is how do we interact with our city. Or, and in is how do we interact with each other. So in these three things, up, out, and in, what is Mosaic's heartbeat? And so I'm going to be talking through up and out, and then Kurt will actually be uh, kind of joining us. He filmed a video earlier in this week where he's going to be talking through the in component for us today. Um, so yeah, up. When we talk about what, what, who is Mosaic, who are we, what do we care about, right? So I decided uh, earlier on in the week, I asked my friend Grace, I said, hey, can you make me a painting? Can you make me a painting that just says Grace period. Ironically, her name's Grace. So I thought, uh, and she did that. In like two days, she got that canvas on Friday, and she painted that Friday night, Saturday. Um, Let's give Grace a hand. Because for, for up, when we think about up, when we think about the way that we interact with God, for us, it's not just Grace, right? Grace is a good thing, but I feel like a lot of people talk about Grace, but it's Grace, period, right? Grace, period. Because for us, we are convinced that God is a God of grace, that there is nothing that you can do to earn God's love, to earn God's favor, to earn God's uh, righteousness. It is simply a gift that is given to you. And I I think the best story, we we went through an 11-week series going through all the parables this summer. But one of the parables that I think best describes this is Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 7. It's the parable of the lost sheep. Let me read it for you guys. It should be up on the screens as well. 
Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them because Jesus welcomes sinners. We have to understand that. Right? We have to see that, that Jesus welcomes sinners and he eats with them. He shares a table with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. See, what we have to understand is grace is not about how we can get to God. Grace is about how God comes to us. Because in that story, we are the lost sheep. And the lost sheep does not find the shepherd. The shepherd finds us. It's when we're lost We allow ourselves to be found. And grace is just simply allowing yourself to be found. Allowing yourself to be carried by the shepherd. Right? And Jesus, the shepherd, leaves the 99 safe sheep to find us when we're lost. When we're in that place. And so for us, it's grace, period. That there is nothing that you can do... uh, to make you earn God's favor or God's love. God just simply loves you, right? Whether you're a sinner, whether you're full of shame, whether you're full of doubt or fear, uh, no matter what that is, uh, you just simply allow yourself to be found. And so this, this gets tricky sometimes. Because I remember, and I think I've shared this story before, but a couple years ago I had another pastor in town sit me down and he says, I love Mosaic, I love that you guys are a community of grace, but it seems like what you guys do is you guys like grace, but you don't want to change people. Uh, And for me, I kind of took it as a compliment because I'm like, well, I don't change anyone anyways, right? The grace of God, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, and the Holy Spirit in us is the thing that changes us. So I didn't really take that as a diss at all. Um, But I think it's one of those things because so often we think it's grace and. That's what faith is. Grace and you got to live a moral life. Grace and you need to do good things. Grace and you need to go to church every single Sunday. Grace and fill in the blank, whatever it is. So often we find ourselves in places where it's not just grace. It's grace and we have to do something. And so kind of the best way sort of to describe what this is and what Mosaic's heartbeat is for grace period, uh, the best way I could sort of describe it is um, uh, sheep herding techniques in the Australian desert, right? Very interesting, huh? So think about it. If you're a sheep farmer, how do you keep sheep in the farm? Shout it out. Yeah, you build a fence, right? So you build a fence, and then you can have your fluffy sheep inside, right? They are not clouds. They are fluffy sheep, Right? But there's actually another way. There's another way that you can keep sheep on the farm. And the other way is you build a well. 
you build a well. Because the sheep aren't going to go too far from their source of life. Yeah, they're going to wander. They're going to go off. But if you're in a desert and your only source of life is this well, is what's going to happen is the sheep aren't going to go far from the source of life. And so this essentially is called a bounded set, right? Oof, I am the worst speller, bounded. And this one is a centered, right? And now think about that in terms of church structures or church experiences that you've been in in the past. Think about sometimes the fences that we build in faith, the fences that we use to say you are either in the club or you're not in the club, And it's so easy for us as human beings to construct those things. And even when we think that we're not that way, we're like, no, I'm not that way. We are. We all have those things in us where we say there's boundaries. And once you cross that boundary, you're no longer in this thing. Okay? And so so think about that. Whatever it is, it could be, oh, man, if you vote Democrat, you're not in the club. Right? Or maybe if you vote Republican, you're not in the club. Or whatever it is, uh, in, in faith, it could, be, it could be theology. It could be, are you Calvinist? Are you Arminian? It could be, do you believe in a literal seven-day creation? Or are you a theistic evolutionist? It could be, what is your end times theology? Whatever it is, we, the, we construct these boundaries uh, in faith. Where we say, this is our community, this is what we believe, and if you don't align with this, then you can't be a part of it. But for us, what we're trying to do here, and we're convinced that there's a better way. We're convinced that if we can center on something and always point people towards that thing, that is the best life. Because yes, we care deeply about theology. We care deeply about studying the scriptures. We care deeply about what God was trying to communicate to us. But I think all those things can be uh, debated or argued or talked about. But what is that central thing that we have to focus everything on? What is the well? And for us, that well is Jesus Right? That Jesus was God in the flesh. That Jesus came down. That Jesus lived the perfect life that we can't live. And he died the death that we should have died. So that we can experience life. Life here and now and life forever. And that's the thing that we center everything on. And then all those other things we can debate. We can argue. Uh, we can talk about. But for us, we always just want to continually point people towards the well. Because it's not about me or anyone else in Mosaic changing you. It's about this well changing you. This well filling you with life and joy. I need three volunteers. Come on up. Two more. Come on up. One more. I saw someone adjust their hair in the back of the room. I almost called on you. Clara. (laughs) Clara, go to the back of the room. Carol, can you go over there? And then I want you to go right here. Let's imagine that this jug of water here is the well. Let's imagine that that is Jesus. Uh, Who is closest to the well? Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, simple question, right? Well, let's have you put your back to the well. And point, point your hand away. Just point away. Carol, let's have you point towards me. Yeah. And then Clara, point to the well. Now who's closest to the well? Ben, ben maybe in proximity is closest, but he's pointing his life away. 
And then there's someone at the very back of the room, someone who's so far away, who's aligning their life and pointing themselves towards the well. And so for us, it's, it's, it's this paradox, right? Because is this person actually closest to Jesus if they are walking away? And I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, know, I feel like I know people like Ben in my life. I feel like I know people. <laughs> and maybe, Ben, you're this way. I don't know. Where it seems like he is so close to the well. Like he's done all the right things. He's grown up in the church, says all the right things, has all the right Bible verses memorized. But the way that he's living his life, I'm sorry, Ben, I don't mean to make an example out of you like this, but it's okay. Because you made fun of me that one time in a message, and now I'm getting back at you. Uh, (laughs) But it seems like they're so close, and yet the way that they're living their life is so far away from the life that Jesus lived, right? And so, but then you got Clara in the very back of the room who's aligning her life and maybe she's far away and maybe she's not doing all the religious things that you would be doing or maybe she doesn't have any Bible verses memorized but she is saying, I want to align my life this way. I want to go towards the well. So for us as a community of grace, period, our goal is to continually just get people to point themselves towards the well. It is not our job to judge how far away someone is from the well. It's simply to get them to look towards it. Would you guys give them a huge round of applause? You guys can sit down. Thank you. When uh, we, we had a, few, a couple years ago, we launched Sunday night gatherings at the Bay uh, that we did for about nine months And during that time, at the very beginning, I I worked at Whole Foods. I was bagging groceries, as I said before. And my friend Renee, who was the store manager of the store, I invited her to come. And she came, and she came back, and she came every week. And then about four weeks in, we decided to do communion. Uh, And we did communion, and I went up to Renee after the gathering, and I could tell she was crying. Her eyes were red and puffy, a little bloodshot. And I said, how are you doing? And she said, I don't know. I, I went up. And I took communion, and the second I ate it, something in me broke. I don't know what it was. I can't explain it. And I said to her, I said, just think about it. Just this week, as you go about your life, just continue to ask yourself the question, why did that break you in that moment? And so she said, I will. So she came back the next week, and we did communion again. Once again, the gathering ends. I go up to my friend Renee. Her eyes are red, puffy. She had been crying, and I said, what happened? And she said, same thing. She said, I was perfectly normal, I was perfectly okay, and the second that I took communion, something in me broke. And I said, do you know why? And she said, I know what it is. My whole life growing up, I was told that I couldn't take communion. I couldn't take communion because I didn't go to the classes. I didn't say the right things, I didn't do the right things, and so my family said, you cannot join us in communion, you have to stay here. And so... What she said is, she said, I always felt like Jesus was this unattainable thing. I always felt like Jesus was the thing that I wanted, but I couldn't have. And for the first time, I feel like I'm invited to have a relationship with Jesus. And so that is why we don't want to become a church full of bounded sets, a church full of these rules and regulations that you need to do in order to live this life of faith. And the second that you don't align perfectly with us, you're outside the fence. We just simply want to point you back to the well so that no matter how far away you are from the well, 
that all of us, we are continually, no matter how we're living our lives, we figure out the ways that we're pointing ourselves away and we say, I want to turn back. Repentance is simply just turning back. I want to turn back. I want to turn back and walk towards the source of life. That is our heartbeat for up, grace, period. And that grace, what it does is it leads us into action. It leads us into action. And I think the best way for me to sort of describe this is uh, so often uh, churches, we focus on the cross, right? The cross is this beautiful thing that says uh, there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's joy. Up, grace period is all about the cross, right? But it doesn't end there. It really, it doesn't end there. Why? There's four Gospels written about Jesus, right? In the majority of the Gospels, it actually talks about the life of Jesus. And so up, grace leads us into the, the death of Jesus leads us into grace, right? The life of Jesus, the life of Jesus pulls us into action, it's not grace and then you got to do a bunch of stuff. It's just simply that when your heart so profoundly is changed by the source of life, you want to do something about it. You want to go out there. You want to just make it happen. And I think for us as a church, who we want to be, uh, I have an image, I have a graphic for you guys, is uh, we want to be the type of church that doesn't just have a whole bunch of stuff that we're doing here. We want to be able to be the type of church that we send you out uh, there's a lot of great churches here in town that have programmatic models. Programmatic model of the church is the, the church that has a whole bunch of stuff happening in the building at church throughout the week. And now, I'm not saying that that is wrong and we are right. Uh, this whole thing for us is this is the vision that God is calling us to. Okay? So for us, we want to be the type of community that we're not just calling people to come here, but we also want to be the ones who are sent out and for us, each one of us have unique talents, unique skills, unique abilities. And we all have something in us that we can give to the world. And if all we do is simply use those things for church on a Sunday morning or church during the week, I think that there's a huge piece missing, a huge component of that missing, because God has inspired us to be the sent ones, the ones who go. I was part of a church in the past that was a heavily programmatic model of a church. And I remember people would come to faith and it'd be like, they would say, ask the questions, now what? What do I do now? And it seems like what we were always telling them to do was, oh, serve on a Sunday and invite people to come with you. And that was it. That the life connected to Jesus, this adventurous life of being a follower of Jesus, is one that is simply just inviting people to a Sunday gathering. Uh, we are convinced that when we are truly following Jesus, Jesus is actually affecting our life seven days a week. That in the everyday rhythms of our life, no matter what our job or our career is, uh, we bring Jesus there. Uh, I have a short video that I think, it's only about a minute and a half long, that I think can describe this really well. When many people think of church, they think of a building that you go to on Sundays or Wednesdays. Some people think of the leaders who run the churches and then pick a church based on which leaders they like the most. Still others think church is a collection of programs that they are a part of, serve in, 
and attend. They're also told to invite their friends and encouraged to give their money and time to support the work that takes place in the building. The more committed they are, the more time and money they give. Eventually, they are taught how to use their spiritual gifts to build up the church in the programs or the building where the church meets. We believe it's important for the church to gather together regularly and for people to submit to leaders and be trained and equipped by them. And we do believe that we should gather regularly so people can be equipped and built up in Christ. But we also want to send people out into the world more and more. We want them to learn how to use their money to bless people outside of the church. We want them to begin using more and more of their time to serve the city where they live. We want them to use their spiritual gifts, not just so we can benefit, but so that our city can benefit as they use their gifts for the city's good. In all of this, our hope is that we will fill our city with the presence of Christ so that gospel saturation will take place and every man, woman, and child might have an opportunity to both hear and see the good news of Jesus through his people. For us, that's the heartbeat, right? This is important, what we do here on Sundays. Uh, But if that's it, it's, it's, it's missing a huge component of the life that Jesus is calling us to. Right? And I feel like uh, when we think about grace, uh, we think about experiencing salvation. But when we think about the life of Jesus, this is really what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower. This is how we follow Jesus. Uh, and I'll be honest, one of the things that we haven't always done very well is this in component. Uh, I, think, I think a big part of that is Aaron was always the grace guy. He talked about grace every single Sunday. It was like, we get it already, Aaron. And then I've always kind of been the action guy. I remember uh, my friend Daniel called me out one week and he said, is there ever a time that we don't actually always have to do something? <laughs> right? It seems like we always have to like, do all these things. Like It's exhausting. Because if faith is simply about receiving grace and doing things uh, on your own in the city, that can be very lonely. It can be very stressful because the world we live in, there's so much happening. I don't know if you're like me, but you can feel overwhelmed. You can feel like there's so many needs in the world. I don't know where to start because we live in this hyper-connected world where we see every tragedy right when they happen. Or we hear about pending doom coming for a week, right? And then a hurricane hits and we don't know what to do, so we just donate teddy bears. And then they're like, don't donate teddy bears. And you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do to help people, So, for us, right, these are very valuable, but a big part of why we resonated so much with Kurt and why he resonated so much with us is because I think this is what Kurt can bring to the table to our future, uh, and it's going to pull together, I think, one of the missing pieces that we've really had for a long time here at Mosaic, and I want Kurt actually to share Uh, with us today. He recorded a little video, like I said, earlier in the week. Mosaic, how are you? Oh, how I wish my family and I could be with you on this here and now Sunday, but that time hasn't come yet. And so here and now I am in my backyard in New Jersey. Uh, But we are really excited about the ways that you are exploring as a community together, the directions of up, out, and in. Those directions are such a heartbeat and a part of my family and I, um, and that's why God has brought us together. 
Um, and I want you, if you would, just for a moment, um, use your imagination and take a journey with me. Imagine that you're driving into a church parking lot and you see a Toyota Prius parked next to a Ford F-150 Super King Cab. And you see this expressed often throughout the parking lot. And then you look at the license plate frames and you see some that say Cornhuskers, some that say Hawkeyes, others that say Longhorns, others that say Buffaloes. You say, what is going on here? And then you see political bumper stickers on a few cars that represent all areas of the political spectrum. You walk inside the lobby and you discover these people are eating together all week and doing life together and you've got sushi eaters in their pretentious kind of way talking and interacting with these gluttonous steak eaters and you're just blown away by what you see and they genuinely love and care for each other. And as you watch this unfold, you say to yourself, this is so unlike a lot of what I see in the world. And so when a community focuses on the grace of God that's been given to us, and when that community asks, what does it mean to then go out and join in God's mission of sharing that grace with others, that community also understands that it needs to be going inward with one another, allowing that grace to take root and shape this community in a special kind of way. Because as this community goes out into the world with good news, this community understands that the community itself is the beautiful container that carries this good news out into the world. Back a few years ago, my son and I started watching the show The Walking Dead, and basically it's a story of the zombie apocalypse, if you haven't seen it. Um, there's a virus that begins to take over and the virus takes people's lives and then the people eventually become zombies. But there is a, a community of people who um, they're surviving this and um, it really focuses on their story together. And at one moment in the story, there's one of the characters who's really, um, he displays a lot of wisdom and he says to the rest of the community, he says these words, um, it's not the walkers, it's not the zombies out there who are going to kill us, but it's what's happening in here. I love the way that that shows how important it is as we move further into the direction of focusing inward. Are we being a community that practices hospitality, humility, patience, kindness, gentleness with one another? In a lot of ways, the church is um, an opportunity to show people what the future will be, the way that the world is supposed to be, the way the world is not, but the way the world will be. And so the church pulls back the curtain of what is and says, look at what will be. Come and join us. Our shared life together is the container through which we share the good news of the grace of God with all others around us. So this type of shared life together, this type of shared life really is a, it's a protest to the hyper-individuality of the world that we see around us. Um, there's kind of this mantra of the world that says, I can be what I want to be, how I want to be, however I want to be. Uh, but what we do is we say, no, 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 let's move away from that kind of hyper-individuality and let's share a life together that cultivates the way the world really should be. Uh, the Apostle Paul, at one point in Scripture, he's writing to this early church, and he says to them, 
Do you not know that you are God's temple? That you are a dwelling place for God's spirit? Now, even in our culture of hyper-individuality, we have the tendency as Christians to listen to that and we think to ourselves, well, yeah, so, so my body, I'm, I'm a temple. And so we've got all these little temples walking around. But yet when the Apostle Paul is writing this to this church in Corinth, he's actually using language that has a very communal mindset. The you is plural. It's not all of these individual yous, but it's the community itself. And so the way that we invest in one another, the way that we care for one another, the way that we further step into each other's lives is the very container that becomes the temple of God, the place that God's spirit dwells. Wow, if that doesn't blow us away, I don't know what will. One of the things that's so good about moving in this direction of in together is that my family and I get to do this with all of you at Mosaic as we get ready to hit the ground in Lincoln. Just the opportunity to get to know one another's stories, to spend time really just serving together, lingering around each other's lives. When you look at the life of Jesus, um, he was often sharing tables, sharing meals with all kinds of people. He was lingering around other people's lives, sharing his own life, getting to know their story. Jesus and what he was doing in his shared fellowship with other people, he was just breaking down all of the like social cultural mores of the day and he was creating something new. And isn't that great that Mosaic gets to be a part of joining in that creating of something new? In all of us, there's attitudes that needs to be changed. There's things that we need to let go of. There's things that we need to grab a hold of. There's things that we need to understand in new and fresh ways about who we are, about who other people are, about the way the world works, and about the way the grace of God is at work in Christ in all the nooks and crannies of our world. So Mosaic, um, as you move further in these directions of up, of out, and in, know that you're not alone. I'm right there with you. And together, God is going to do some incredible things as we move further in these directions together. I'm anticipating all that the future has in store for us. I hope you're anticipating it too. I look forward to seeing you in October. This is how I want to end today. If, you, if your heartbeat resonates, if you're like, man, I, I, I want to be part of a community that says grace, period. I want to be a part of a community that it's not just grace, but that grace pulls us into action. And I actually, I don't, I don't want to have to do it alone <laughs> because it can be really lonely out there. And I actually want to surround myself with a group of people that share this idea, that share this vision. Uh, if that's you today, during this last song, I thought rather than take communion today, let's come to the well. If you are saying, I want to align myself, I want to turn myself towards Jesus, and I want to continually walk towards him together with this community, uh, during this last song, just simply come up, uh, grab a cup, grab some water, uh, and drink. Jesus said that he was living water, that those who drank uh, from him would never thirst again. And so today is the day that we decide that we're going to just turn ourselves back towards the well.
And we're simply going to drink deeply of grace. We're going to swim in grace. So during the last song, uh, would you join me in that? Let me pray for us first, Mosaic. God, I thank you for this beautiful community that you are shaping, that you are inspiring. God, I thank you so much uh, for your grace. I thank you for all the times that I feel like I'm just going the wrong way, that I'm running from you, or that I'm slowly just drifting away from you, and then all of a sudden I find myself in a place that I never expected to be. And that, God, you don't punish me for that, but you simply come looking for me. And then you find me. And so, God, I know that there's people in this room that desperately just want to be found, that desperately just want to turn their lives back towards you to allow you to carry them. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross so that our bodies can be cleansed and we can be a temple of your spirit, that your spirit can live in us to shape us and that your spirit can change us. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.